Hi, my name is Dane Blackburn. I plan to attend the Rose Holman Institute of Technology and major in mechanical engineering. I'll be running cross country and track. And while I'm in college, I'd like to pray for my family that they do well when I am not at home. I'm going to be attending HU, Huntington University, for graphic design. Um, I guess the way that you can pray for me is to help me transition from home life to college life, since it'll be disastrous. <laughs> I'm Gabby Alford. Uh, I'm going uh, to Purdue online for forensic psychology. And pray for a safe move into a brand new house, two and a half hours away. <laughs> <laughs> See, you messed it all up. Now the lights didn't come on or anything. You didn't follow the cues, and now it's all messed up. Morning, everybody. We're here. Welcome to you guys here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So. Obviously, we want to take an opportunity to uh, celebrate our graduates um, and, again, cheer for them, encourage them. But here's one of the things that I want us to do as a church, because for some of you, you're directly involved with them, you have graduates, or you're related to somebody that has graduates, and you're going to go to their graduation parties, and you're going to celebrate with them. But here's what I want us to do as a church, right, even if you're not connected with them. I want us to be praying for them, because... This is one of the most pivotal moments in a kid's life. If you look at the uh, statistics, here's what we know. A lot of kids that grew up in church go away and go to college and never come back, right? And for a lot of different reasons, you know, that happens. And so we're praying that the opposite happens. We're praying that they'll go away and they'll, they'll take a faith that maybe wasn't their own and it'll become their own, that it'll be strengthened and not weakened. We'll pray for a hedge of protection around them in a way that we know it's the time where Satan tries to get in because it's also a time of questioning. Like, this is what I grew up with and now this is what they're saying in school and I don't know if those two things to go, go together. So we're gonna pray for clarity, you know, that God will bring clarity to you know, those people that are graduating and moving on, whether they're going to college or whether they're starting, you know, their own lives. Either way, we're praying, you know, that God works in their lives and that their, their uh, faith can be stronger. So as a church, that's how I'd like us to be praying for them and praying that God will strengthen them, encourage them. And when I say bring them back, whether it means bring them back to Life Church or wherever they're going, we just want them to be a part of the, the kingdom army. Right? We want them to be out there, and we want them to be doing things for the Lord. So we'll continue to pray that for them. Another quick announcement, Rhett Walker concert. So um, in the past, this is what's uh, the only way that you could buy tickets is to be able to go online. Um, and so Jennifer and I were talking about, like, the technically illiterate people like me that maybe can't always figure it out. Could we also offer another way uh, for people to be able to do it? So tickets are on sale at the cafe today. So if you want to buy Rhett Walker tickets and you're like me and you haven't been able to figure out how to be able to go on and do it any other way, you can go out there to the Cafe of Hope and you can buy your tickets right there. And when you buy your tickets, keep your receipt, that's your ticket to get in, okay? They'll tell you that, but just as a reminder, that's your ticket to get in. The other part of it is, is that, um, again, when we're talking about the vision behind the Rhett Walker concert, the things that we're trying to do, one of the things, we want it to be more than just a concert, right? We want it to be an opportunity for you to be able to invite your friends. We want it for you to be able to come, for you to be able to 
not only just worship together, to be in community, but here's what we realize in the culture that we have today when gas is $5 and diesel's $6 and food's expensive. You know, it's not just as easy as to say, on a luxury, I'm gonna spend $15, right, to be able to do that. And maybe even, because this is part of the vision, maybe even you've been inviting some people to come because we want you to invite people to come to the concert, you know, as a part of an outreach. And they're just saying, like, wow, we can't do it because I mean, it is, it's expensive, you know, and it's something we can't put in our budget. So Life Church has bought a block of tickets uh, with the purpose of giving them away. So if you're sitting here today and you want to come to the concert um, and you're sitting, you're saying, like, it's just not in our budget, we want to be able to give you tickets to be able to bring not only you, but bring your whole family. Um, so you can see Jennifer, she has those tickets and she can get them to you. And or hopefully you're out inviting other people in the community to come. And if they're saying, you know what, finances are an issue. I, I don't know that I could really do this. We want to be able to give you tickets to be able to give them, right? So there's kind of a, another outreach or another opportunity to be able to show the love of God into our community. So Rhett Walker concert, it's gonna be a great opportunity. We'd love for you guys to be here. So if you have a Bible, Revelation 12. So real quick, if you're online or maybe you're visiting for the first time, why are we doing the book of Revelations? Because it's been interesting. I think we're in week 16 and you know there have been uh, a lot of discussion. You know, And one of the constant questions I ask, get asked by people is, when are we gonna be done with Revelation? Right, And I'm not exactly sure how to take that, you know, whether they're the ones that are being like, this sucks, I don't want to hear it anymore, or wow, I really like it, and we want to continue to go on, you know, because we're learning a lot um, inside of it. So I want to give you, if you're asking that question and or you're here for the first time and you're saying, why would a church do a series on Revelations and why does it take 16 weeks, right? Well, here is the why behind, right? And here's what I want you to, to see because Every week that I prepare for this message, these are the things that I pray about. And the first and the foremost thing is, when you read the book of Revelations, the question that comes up will continue to come up, and I pray that will continue to be in your mind is, are you ready? Right? That's what the book of Revelation is supposed to do, is spark this idea, are you ready? Because here's what we know, and we said this all the way from the beginning, but I want to make sure that we don't miss this. In a church setting like today. Lots of people are gathering together and lots of people are in church today, but here's what we know. Lots of people aren't ready. And we're not talking about people outside of the church, right? We're saying a lot of people sitting inside of churches today are not ready, right? And we know that because the Bible clearly says, why does the road that leads to destruction and how many people are on it? Many, and it's talking about people in the church, not ready, on a road that leads to destruction, right? And the responsibility for us is when we ask the question, are we ready, is to be honest. And how do you respond to truth will really determine, are you ready or are you not? Because that's the challenge. You know what the challenge is of, of a teaching like Revelation? It's just difficult sometimes to hear the truth, Right? Like it's difficult. Like it says, it brings, it's not like a hidden meaning that. I mean, maybe it's some hidden, you know, in the, the symbolism, but the meaning is pretty clear, right, of what it's trying to say. Jesus is coming back, <laughs> whether it's through your death or whether it's through the second coming of Christ, and if you're not ready, you don't get a second chance. Pretty clear. 
So all of the imagery and all of the questions leading up to it is this, are you ready? So here's been my focus and my prayer, and it's going to continue to be my focus and my prayer. We're going to keep preaching truth, and we're going to keep praying that you'll respond to that truth. Because what's missing, I think, inside of the church today is, you know, people would ask us at times, like, why do you go through books of the Bible, like, all the way through? Here's, here's the reason. So you can't skip over some things inside of the scripture that people don't want to hear. Anybody? Right? Because you're like, you can pick topics, and then you can pick out things that support topics, but when you're on the book of the Bible, it's everything. Right? You're dealing with it all, and you're going to talk about it all, and you can't skip over the hard stuff. Right? Well, for us as a church, that's what we want to do is we want to be able to say, you know what? Sometimes we need to hear the hard stuff. But sometimes we need to deal with the things that are true because at the end of the day, if you aren't ready, whether you're online listening to us, watching us, whether you're here in this room and you aren't ready, you do have a choice to respond to truth. Or you have a choice to hear truth and go back to your normal life. Unfortunately, right, unfortunately, too many times in our, in our Christian culture today or people who would call themselves Christians listen to truth and never respond. Right? We hear it. It's convicting. Anybody? It's convicting, but then you have lunch. Right? You might make it actually past lunch. You might actually have the discussion at lunch, but by the time you get up the next day, what does it really change? Right? And so my prayer is, is that when we go through or continue to go through the book of Revelations, that you'll not only hear truth, but you'll respond to it. And respond to it in a way that you can be guaranteed this, because this is what I do want to celebrate. If you respond to truth, what scripture says, narrow is the road to, that leads to life, and you'll be on it. Nobody's taking it away. You can't have that taken away from you. When you're on the narrow road, you're on the narrow road and it leads to life. And we can celebrate because you responded to truth and the actions of your life, the words of your mouth and the actions of your life match up and you are on a path and you are gonna see Jesus someday and he's gonna look at you and he's gonna say, well done. Well done. That's what I want, right? What I want for us as a church is to remember, like, listen, we need to be on this road, and we need to recognize, we need to respond to truth, right? And the problem sometimes inside of messages or series like this is we, we tend to feel guilty, like you listen to it, and you feel guilty, and you go home, and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know, but it doesn't really change anything. But here's what I want you to hear. There's nothing wrong with this idea of like, ugh. Anybody? Like after you listen to a message, and you're like, Wow. I'm not where I need to be, right? Well, what you need to do with that, see, that right there is just another way for us to push more into who Jesus is, right? It's for us to say, let's all just agree on this. I hope you would all agree on this. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And the only reason that we can be on the narrow road is because Jesus Christ paid for your sin. Are you happy about that one? Right, like that's something to celebrate. Like you're on the narrow road because Jesus did something that you couldn't. So when we have these things welling up inside of us saying like, oh, it's the tension, it's the, it's the push to say, and I know, I know, I know, I know I'm a sinner saved. 
by a Savior, right? And that's what we want to get to, respond to truth in the right way. Don't run away from it. You know, too many times people run when they hear the hard topics. They run away from it. Jesus wants you to run to him, okay? So in Revelation 12, this is what we're going to do. So here's what you're going to see. It introduces this idea. So we, we looked at uh, verse 9 last week, you know, and we talked about the whole opening of the abyss, right? And all of a sudden the demonic comes out and there's a spiritual warfare and the demons are out and, and there's things going on, right? Well, the next thing that you see is another scroll. It's opened up and then we see the two witnesses. So this happens in 11. The two witnesses come out. There are two witnesses put at the wailing wall by God, right? And they profess Christianity and they profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can't be touched by anybody for a certain period of time, right? They can't be touched by anybody. And they preach the gospel and they can do amazing signs and wonders. And then again, at the end of that time when they're being protected, the, the beast that comes up from the abyss attacks the two people at the wailing wall, kills them. They lay outside of the wailing wall for three days. And then on the third day, they're ascended into heaven and people will watch just like it is with Jesus, right? Just like it was with them. Three days, not in a tomb, but at the the wailing wall, and they will ascend into heaven. And again, the gospel would have been preached by them. Now, Revelation 12 now gives us this picture of a cosmic battle, right? Spiritual warfare, you know what I'm saying, right? Like things that happen in the spiritual realm, you hear this in scripture talked about all the time, is that there's a battle going on in the spiritual realm, Well, the battle that's going on in the spiritual realm, I think you guys would agree, sometimes it's hard to understand, right? Like it is, like what's going on up there? You know, is it God battling Satan? Well, here's the one thing that we need to realize. God is not battling Satan, right? God's already won. God doesn't need to battle Satan. That's not happening. It's not like God can barely overcome Satan. It's the angelic forces against the demonic forces are fighting in the spiritual realm. And the fighting in the spiritual realm for us sometimes is difficult to understand. But what we're going to see in Revelation 12, it opens up this window like here's the cosmic battle. But then that cosmic battle is thrown down onto the earth. So the battle that's happening in the spiritual realm now happens on the earth, and you're going to get a window, or you're going to get in a picture into all of these things that seem mysterious in the spiritual realm are going to be thrown down onto the earth, and you're going to see Satan operate in a way that will give you a very clear picture of your enemy, right? So for the next two weeks, right, Revelation 12, we're going to read all the way through it, but for the next two weeks, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be going through this with this purpose, or for this understanding. We, try, we have to understand our enemy, and we have to understand how he operates, and we have to understand his methodology behind it and what's going on so that you can be prepared and you can be ready. Are we good? Okay, so let's read all the way through Revelation 12. So Revelation 12, starting in verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven as an enormous red dragon with seven heads, 10 horns, and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. She gave birth to a son, 
a male child who will rule all of the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled to the wilderness, the place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. The ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of the brothers and sisters who accuses them before God, uh, before our God, day and night has been hurled down. The triumphed over him by the blood, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and, and you who dwell in them, but woe to the, sea, to the earth and to the sea, because the devil has come down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows that his, that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given to the wings of uh, the woman was given the two wings of great eagles, so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep over her, to sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. Now, when you read that, obviously a lot of symbolism, Right? So it's the dragon, it's the woman, it's the child. There's, you know, the dragon wants to devour the child. Like a lot of stuff's going on. So here's what we need to remember. Imagery is supposed to be used to point us to a reality, right? So imagery gives us an idea of like uh, what's going on, but it points us to a reality. So inside of this, what you're seeing, this imagery points to this cosmic battle right? Just like I said in the beginning, this imagery points to this cosmic battle. And in this cosmic battle, we see the dragon lose, right? And in losing, he then gets thrown down to the earth and carries out his bidding on the earth, right? So we see that happening. Now, what can we learn from it? Like, this is what I want us to focus on. So what is it inside of all of this imagery and all these things that we need to learn? Here's what I want us to focus on today. When we see Satan, if we understand the conflict and we understand our ways, then you can be prepared and ready. If you don't understand the conflict or if you don't understand your enemy, believe me, you're not going to be prepared, okay? You have to understand the conflict and you have to understand the enemy. Now, here's part of the problem. A lot of people, when it comes to spiritual warfare, it's kind of like life, you know, if it doesn't directly affect you, you kind of just look at it at a distance and you're going like, oh, spiritual warfare. Anybody, 
right? Like you just kind of look at it and you're like, oh, wow, those things happen. And like I've never seen those things happen. And you kind of see it from a distance. And so then all of a sudden you, you, like you make your own devil up, you know, because people do this. Like they go to two extremes. Like have you ever seen this? Like you have the extreme over here that's like you're walking on the stage and you trip and you're like, Satan tripped me. You know, because he wants me to fall off and break my neck and die. Did you see Satan trip me? Right? Or like the food I ate last night. Like I'm crapping my brains out. Satan must have poisoned my food. Right? Because he wants me to die of dehydration. You see what I mean? Like this extreme. Like every single thing that goes wrong in your life is Satan attacked me type. Then you're over on this side of it where it's like, well, you know, Satan's like that little thing that sits on your shoulder. You know what I mean? Like there's the good angel and then there's Satan and they both, you know, one has wings, one has a little pitchfork and they keep talking in one of your ears and you just have to decide which one to listen to, right? Like very comic book view, you know, fairy tale. Like, oh, I just gotta, all the things Satan's trying to do is make me make bad decisions in my life. It's neither one of those, right? Like it's neither one of those things. And Understanding the trueness of what's really going on will help you be prepared. So I want to share with you a, a, another story that, you know, is relevant here that helps us get a picture into the spiritual realm and what goes on. Because, again, a lot of times I don't think because you've maybe not experienced it, you tend to not see it for what it really is. So I want to keep giving you stories so that you can see into it in a way that's really going on. Now, so one of the crazy things is, is that um, I don't know where you landed with all of this or any of you guys had this discussion, but we had this discussion on whether or not you let your kids trick or treat. Anybody? We were the only family that was like, okay, a few of us like had this discussion. Do you let your kids trick or treat? Because you know, you know what Halloween is, right? Like Halloween is the, the day of the occult, right? It's the day that the people who are in, Satan's cult or a part of the occult feel like they're the closest to heaven or the closest to Satan ever. Like when they can bridge the gap from the earthly realm to the spiritual realm where they can get closest to him. So on Halloween, it's something that the, the idea of the demonic being above any other time is they believe it. And so as Christian people, you have these discussions like, do you let your kids trick-or-treat, and there's always like, well, he's just being Mickey Mouse. He's not being Satan, for crying out loud. Why can't they just trick-or-treat, right? That's the question, right? Because you're going back and forth of, like, do we support the devil, don't support the devil, you know what I mean, or the devil's holiday? Well, I want to bring it into a, a bigger picture for you than just that, and it was the reason why we finally landed on our kids not trick-or-treating, right, is, is that early on in the church, which is weird because we, the church planted on Halloween, which is kind of an odd thing, right? Like, I don't know why I chose that date. October 31st, 2004, that's when the church planted. Anyway, in the beginning of the church, um, you know, it had been a few years into it, we had a young couple come, and this young couple came, and we talked to them back then, you know, the church was really small, so it's not like you could hide you know, if you were new, everybody knew, right? Like there wasn't, you know, this crossing of traffic. It's like there's a few chairs and I see you, right? So you talk to them. And so when we got to talking to them, they admittedly talked about how they had dabbled in the occult, right? Like 
Ouija board, you know, because the Ouija board's kind of fun, you know, you just play around with it, and it's not that really that big a deal, and you, you know, they did it as kids, and they had done it now, and so they had dabbled into it, and they kind of talked about how, you know, they, they had seen, called upon people who were dead, and brought up spirits, and it was kind of a game, right? Like, anybody that's talked to anybody that's used a Ouija board? Sometimes they don't always see it as for what it really is. So anyway, so have the Ouija board. They go out there. They come, and uh, they start talking about their lives. So a few Sundays go on. Um, Lacey makes a decision to accept Jesus. And you know what's really cool is like people that have been far away from God, that are kind of crazy far away from God when they come to know the God are kind of crazy for him. Anybody? Right, Because sometimes inside of the church, you just kind of grow up and you're just like, oh yeah, God, and he's good, and I love him. <laughs> right? I mean, this happens. Like People that are in the church, they're like, yay, Jesus. And then people that are like saved from the devil are like, yay, Jesus. <laughs> right? I mean... That's, the, that's what I'm talking about. And she was like, yay, Jesus. Ask us for a Bible. She had never had a Bible before. And so we went and got her a quest study Bible, and she was just like on fire. Couldn't read enough of it. But guess what? Her husband wasn't so happy. And so, yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, so they, she keeps coming, you know, and she's, excited about what Jesus is doing. Well, it's coming to the Sunday where Halloween is on a Sunday again, right? And this is the first time, though, that she's saying, I'm scared because this night, whether you want to, you know, know this or not, this does happen. People who were in the occult do see this night as the night that they can be as close to the demonic as possible. Like they just do. That's what they see, right? It's for real. So she knew her husband who was not saved. Now to his wife who was that this was going to be tension. What are you going to do on Halloween night? Because you know what they normally did on Halloween night? Summon the demons, right? Summon the powers. Play with the Ouija board. She was scared about it. We, you know, we prayed with her, talked with her and be like, because again, you don't really get it until you get it, right? And so Prayed with her, kind of the week went by. I never really thought about it. It's Sunday night. My rule was on Sunday night, I'd never answer my phone and I never check my email. It's family night. I don't want a bunch of distractions. It's the only time you get to be home with your kids. The only time you get home with your family, I'm not answering it. So come in Monday morning, pull up my computer, first email up there from Lacey. Somebody, please come and help me. Somebody, please come and rescue me. My husband is called upon the demons. They're all over the house. I can't get away. I don't know what to do. Will somebody please come over and rescue me? I'm like, oh, my word. Get ready to dial a number. The Huntington Police Department calls. We need you to come over to the house. Lacey just hung herself last night. And you're the last person to talk to her. The last correspondence she had was with me on the email. Now, listen to me. If you want to talk about the devil being on your shoulder and we're going to dabble around and it's not that big a deal, it is not true. You have an enemy that wants to steal 
kill, and destroy. This is true. What drives somebody? Like, think about this. A woman on fire for Jesus. Think about this. On fire for Jesus. Her husband, admittedly, in this email, calls on the demonic to bring her back. Bring her back. For the first time, a saved young lady is confronting the demonic in a way where they're the enemy. You know, the problem is, as a young Christian, she didn't know what to do. She didn't know how to, how to put her guard up. She didn't know about the armor. She didn't know about the offensive weapon. She didn't know what to do. And because of that, the demonic drove her, whatever happened, right? Part of it was an investigation because there was a belief that she would have never hung herself. But the reality is she did, and the last correspondence was she couldn't get away. Now, here's what I want you to see. If you don't understand that there is a real enemy that's trying to destroy you and your family and the people around you, then you have misunderstood what's going on in the spiritual realm. Anybody? Right? You, got, you have to understand this. And what we're going to see in Revelation 12 today is this idea that there is this cosmic battle. And when this cosmic battle plays out on the earth, the physical realm is affected. And I want you to understand the enemy for who it really is. And I want you to understand the way that the enemy is truly trying to attack you. Because again, he is. And I don't want you to be like Lacey. You know, I don't want you to be at a place where I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go, right? I don't, I, don't know, I don't know what's happening, you know, and I don't know how to fight against it. I want you to be prepared. I want you to understand, because listen to me. Here's what I know about most people in this room. And I know this because gun sales for the past two years have been the highest they've ever been in the, in the United States of America because people believe there's a war coming. You know what's crazy? We live in the most biblically illiterate society that we've ever lived in because you don't understand there's a war coming and your only offensive weapon is scripture. What's going on? Anybody? Did, I not, did that not make sense? You're gonna buy a gun because the world's going to crap, but Satan is coming to steal kill and destroy and your only weapon, only offensive weapon in the armor of God is scripture. Yet we live in the most biblically illiterate time in most of history. We're not reading it. We're not studying it. We can barely make it to church. We're not taking the opportunity to dive into it. Teach us, help us understand because we need a weapon. Now, if somebody's coming to your house, you're getting a weapon. You know why people aren't responding to a truth? Because you don't know you have an enemy and you don't know they're coming to destroy you. I've always said this. You want motivation to come to church? Know you have an enemy. I don't need to motivate you to get your butt out of bed. No, maybe. Like, what's the motiva- you want motivation? Get a picture of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You want motivation for your children? Get a picture of what's going on in the spiritual realm. You want a motivation to dive into scripture, even though sometimes you don't understand it? Go to what's going on in the spiritual realm. That should be your motivation, right? Like we should understand those things and I, and I want us to see those things because as we look through Revelation 12 and we see this, we have to understand you gotta get ready for war because it's true. 
And you have to be prepared for battle. And if you're gonna take it lightly, hear me. If you're not gonna take this seriously, here's what I am gonna tell you. It doesn't change that you still have an enemy. It doesn't change it. You can take it lightly and you can blow it off and you can put it off onto, oh, no, you're not. You still have an enemy, he's still coming and he still has the same idea. And you're gonna see that as we look in Revelation 12. So let's look at it real quick. Not real quick, but Revelation 12, let's break it down and see what he has to say. So let's go back to verse one and we're gonna understand the imagery and we're gonna try to tie it uh, together inside of this. So back to verse one, a great sign appeared in heaven a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon and under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. So one of the things that we need to understand about this cosmic battle is this cosmic battle is going on for a certain people group, the woman, right? Do you see that? Where it says the woman that's clothed. Who's the woman? Nation of Israel right? The woman is the nation of Israel, right? And very specifically, Satan is targeting the nation of Israel, right? And wants to destroy the nation of Israel. And so you see that in the beginning that they are targeted and they have been targeted from the beginning of time, right? Now, if you want to, like, if you're a history buff, go back through history and see the persecution of the Jews, the persecution of the Jews has happened over and over and over and over again. Why? Because you have an enemy that's trying to destroy God's people. That's why they're persecuted. But you know what's crazy? The amount of persecution, the, the, the most persecuted people group in all of the world, yet the nation of Israel still stands. They could never be wiped out. Why? because they're God's people. You hear me? I mean, because you need to see this. Here's the imagery, right? And so why is this important? Why is this important? When you look at the nation of Israel, you understand the promise of God. You know what the promise of God was to Abraham? I will build a great nation and it'll be built out of you and you're gonna get into the promised land and you and you and because of you, people are gonna see Jesus, people are gonna see God through you and you will never be wiped out, never. Satan has tried to wipe out the nation of Israel but God promised his people that it would never happen. Satan can't win, do you see the thing? You wanna understand the cosmic battle, he's going to try to destroy but the promises of God will always overcome. Why is that important? Because let's, listen, if you wanna help people understand who Jesus is, like you wanna help evangelize people, part of what you could do is help look at the nation of Israel. They've been trying to be destroyed. Why is it that the nation of Israel has never been wiped out? You know what, if you're helping somebody understand history, you wanna help understand the Bible, why is it the nation of Israel? Because there is a God who protects them. You wanna know if there is a God? I'll prove to you in this world today that there is a God. No matter what people have tried to do to the Jews to try to make them extinct, they have never been wiped off the face of the earth. And they are still, as small as they are, a powerful nation. Why? Because they're the people of God. How does that apply to you? So you know how we're gonna look at imagery and this is what's actually happening in there, so what could we learn from it? Here's what I want you to understand. Is part of your testimony, like we just you know, saying about part of your testimony is, is that Satan's also trying to destroy you. 
And part of the problem in our world today is we don't understand the promises of God. And because we don't understand the promises of God, as soon as persecution comes, you run. Anybody? Right? As soon as persecution comes, you run, and you know where your witness is. Because you know what the witness in the nation of Israel is. No matter what the persecution is, God still stands. Because they're his people. If you want to witness into the world, you want to witness into the world? Bring it on, Satan. You might be able to destroy this earthly body, but you'll never destroy my faith. And you can just try to destroy my family, but my faith's gonna get bigger. My testimony into this world's going to be, you can do whatever you want, but you can't destroy me. Because I'm a, I am a child of God. You tried to do, I don't care. You tried to take, doesn't matter. My faith is stronger, my witness, my testimony. Because you are trying to destroy, because we're gonna land on the promise that I'm a child of God and the physical realm can never take those things away. You can take my life, but you'll never take. I am a child of God, right? That's what we need to stand on. Those are the things, those are the promises that we need to learn from. We need to understand that the next part of it just tells us, you have an enemy. And we're gonna see next week of how the accuser tries to get you out of that, but this enemy is real. And he says it in verse three. Here's what he says. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, 10 horns, and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child in the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule over all of the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up, uh, snatched up to God and to his throne. So real quick, just so we make sure we understand this because it'll make sense in history. So this isn't the first time that Satan was thrown out of heaven. Okay, so in the first time that Satan was thrown out of heaven, and this is going to make sense next week when we talk about it, the first time that he was thrown out, he could still go back. You know, you know what I'm saying, right? So he was thrown out of heaven, he rebelled, but he can still go back because he stands as the accuser of the brethren to God. You remember Job, Peter, to this day, he stands in front of God and says, I'm going to accuse Isaac of all of his sins. Like, that's what he can still do. Right? He can, he's still the accuser who has access to heaven. He can still go back and forth between the physical, earthly realm and into heaven as the accuser. That's what's happening right now. This time, this battle, this cosmic battle that's going on, Satan and the dragon and Michael, the archangel, which we're going to talk a lot about next week, there is a battle ensued, and guess what? Satan loses, and no longer does he have access to God. And he's thrown down on the earth, and so now all of his fury, not carried out between being the accuser of God, is now going to happen on the earth. And the third of those angels that still have that access now are only going to be on the earth, and they're going to be restricted to the earth, and they're going to carry out, and this is what you're going to see, now that they're on the earth, all those battles that were being carried out in the, the, the cosmic battle are now going to be carried out on the theater of earth. And you're going to start to see things that maybe you didn't get. Remember what we talked about in the beginning? Maybe you don't understand the spiritual realm. 
When the cosmic battle is now thrown down to earth, you're going to understand what's going on in the spiritual realm because you're going to see it happen on the earth. Okay, So the, the battle inside of that, Satan is cast down uh, in that conflict and that, that, that he is that enemy. In this, this is the other thing that we know. Satan isn't stupid and he has a plan. So do you remember when it says the woman, nation of Israel, has a child and is getting ready to give birth? Who do you think that they're giving birth to? Jesus, right? Where is Satan standing at the time of childbirth? Right there, ready to do what? Devour him. Because Satan knows what Jesus means to the nation of Israel and to you. And he knows that if he can devour Jesus, all of what happens inside of this is loss, right? And we know from the beginning of time, this is what we're talking about, the enemy and how he pursues and he has a plan and he's not just sitting around on a shoulder trying to make you decide, eat chocolate, not eat chocolate, right? <laughs> like this, this is way bigger than those decisions, right? Cheat on a test, not cheat on a test. Like it's so much bigger than that. He's at this place where from the beginning, you know what I said last week? Because it kind of got a little bit of flack about this. You know what I said last week? The only way that somebody walks into a schoolroom and shoots a bunch of babies is because Satan has entered them. You know, and people are like, well, no, I mean, he had a gun. If he had a knife, he wouldn't be able to kill his enemy. I said, you missed the whole point. Knife, gun, who gives a crap? Nobody walks in to kill babies, right? Unless Satan prompts, enters in, does, moves a person to go out and do those things. That's the way it works. We can see it from the beginning, right? You know, he's pursuing, he's trying to make this happen. Why in the world would Cain kill Abel? Think about this. I mean, it's an offering for crying out loud. Who kills somebody over an offering and being a little bit jealous? Do you know why? From the beginning, Satan is trying to wipe out the line. Why'd Cain kill Abel? Because he thought if I kill him and we kill and we kill and we keep destroying, right? Like, think about this. The earth got to a place where only eight people were left. Only eight that were righteous. Satan's thinking, if I can get them all, if I can get them all, if I can get them all, wipe them all out, there'll be none of them left. I'm trying to destroy, trying to pursue. Jesus wipes it all out, and everything starts over, right? Think about this. You remember uh, King Samuel? Who's he trying to kill? King Saul, not Samuel. King Saul. Who's King Saul trying to kill? David. Why? Where's the line of the Messiah come from? David. I mean, we look at him and be like, oh, King Saul, he's just kind of jealous. Nobody wanted to take his kingdom and blah, blah, blah. And he was just wanted to hold on to everything. Satan used King Saul to try to kill what everybody else knew couldn't happen. He's going to try to kill David. But if he kills the line of the Messiah, it's done, right? Kills the line of the Messiah. Think about this. When Jesus was born, what happened? What did Herod do? Kill the babies. What makes somebody kill babies? As a soldier, this wasn't just Herod ordering it. Soldiers walking into houses of babies under two years old, slaughtering them in houses. How do those things happen? Because Satan is pursuing to destroy. Anybody? Right? This is the reality. Spiritual realm, cosmic battle coming to the physical realm. This is how it works. Satan has come. This should make more sense to you than ever. To steal kill and destroy. And we see it carried out clear to the point where 
How do you think that the demonic realm was celebrating on the day that Jesus Christ was on the cross? Anybody seen the Chronicles of Narnia? You know, the stone table, Aslan thrown up on the stone table. They shave him all down. They're all celebrating, right? They're all excited until the stone table breaks and Aslan comes back, right? Like that, that right there is like, I was the same way. Like, yeah, I mean, the kid's moving. I'm like, yeah. You tried to take him, you tried to shave him, he's back. The same with Jesus, can you imagine? The demonic angels had to be celebrating, say, look, all of these years we tried to get it done, he's finally dead on a cross. Three days later, Jesus Christ rise, rose from the dead, and they're all sitting back there like, oh, crap. You know why? And, but you know what? This is, this is the thing you need to see. So they tried to kill the lion, they couldn't kill the lion, and now the Messiah sits at the right end of the Father. Do you think he's done? So it used to be just the Jew. So you know who gets included now because you have a Messiah for not only the Jew, but the you, the Gentile. If you think that you don't need to be ready based upon all of what we just talked about and understanding this conflict and what's happening and how he's pursuing and the things that he wants to do when it comes to steal, killing, and destroying, you, you're just not listening to truth. The truth of this is, is that you are now in the same place as the Jewish nation. You being pursued to steal, kill, and destroy. And you need to be prepared and you need to be ready. That's why I keep saying to everybody, listen to me. If you really believe this, do you need motivation to do your devotions? You ever wonder that? That's what I always said. You know what's weird about like people not reading their Bible? Like, that's like saying somebody's coming up to just kill your whole family and you're just gonna sit back on the lawn chair and be like, I just wasn't ready, sorry, go ahead, have Adam. Right? I mean, that's true, isn't it? I mean, it's true. Like, I mean, I know you don't wanna hear this, but if you can't use the weapon that's been given you because lack of a better term, something else took priority in your life other than the only offensive weapon that you'll ever have on an enemy that's trying to destroy you, then you're just not seeing what's going on. Because you shouldn't need, and I've said this, listen to me, you shouldn't need motivation to read your Bible, and you shouldn't need motivation to come to church. Right? Why? What, you want motivation? Look at your children. You want some motivation? Because you know where he goes first? Your family. You know what he wants? Your family. You know who he wants to destroy? Your family. You'll be like, oh man, I, oh, long night last night. I, you know, go ahead, have them. Go to bed. Right? Get ready. You know what I'm saying? Get ready. Come on. We got, we got something to do. Now, this is the picture. Cosmic battle coming down to the earth. These are the things that, 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 that Satan is trying to do through each one of us and trying to kill each one of us. Now, as the worship team comes back up, this is what I want to end with because out of all of that, we're sitting there like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I do, what do I do? Because again, it should be for all of you sitting in here today, we should all be sitting back being like, I'm a little afraid. Anybody? Anybody a little afraid? <laughs> when you put two hands up, right? 
Yeah, we had a few two hands. Like, like if you know, you should be, like there should be this welling up of like, if this is really real, I gotta get the game. Because you know the reality is, I don't want you to miss this. Some of you are sitting there, you know, and you're gonna talk back to the church of Laodicea. Remember when we talked about the church of Laodicea? You know why he said he wanted you to either hot or cold? Because when you're hot, here's what you know, you're going to be attacked by Satan and you're gonna know you're on the right team. Amen to anybody? You know you're on the right team when you're getting attacked. When you're cold, you know that you're over here and that God's pursuing you. But you know what happens to the people in the middle? God says he'll spit you out and Satan doesn't care about you either because you're doing nothing. Get in the game! What are we doing? Get in the game. He says, don't be in the middle. Know that part of this spiritual warfare and being attacked is to say to you, like, listen, you're in the game. Good job. You're in the game, right? And I know for some of you, you're afraid to get in the game. You're like, I don't know. I hear all these stories. I hear what happened to her. You told us stories about what happened to you. I don't know if I get in the game, what's gonna happen to me? What's gonna happen to my family? What's gonna happen? I wanna tell you, here's how it ends. You know how it ends? The conflict ends with this, verse six, the woman fled into the mountains or into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. You know what God promises you? Run to the mountains because there is refuge. If you're afraid, run to the mountains because there is a refuge. If you're worried, if you you don't know what to do in the midst of all of these things, you need to understand, go to the only place that's going to protect you. And I wanna end it with this. I wanna read to you Psalms 91. This is what it says in Psalms 91. Because here's what I want you to see. See, part of this message should well up inside of you like, oh my gosh, there is a battle and I don't know if I'm prepared. I want you to tell you something today. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. All of those attacks that Satan wants to bring on you and the craziness of this world and all the things that are happening, never forget, greater is he who is in you. I don't care what Satan says or what he can do, and you have to remember the promises that he gives us in Psalms 91. Listen to what he says. You who sit down in the high of God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Say this, this is what you need to say. God, you are my refuge. I trust in you and I am safe. Trust in you. When I'm afraid, when I'm fear, I wanna know and I'm gonna go, God, you're my refuge and I'm gonna, I know that I am safe. That's right, he rescues you from the hidden traps shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you are perfectly safe. His arms fend off all harm. And here's what he says. Fear nothing. How do you do that? We just talked about spiritual warfare and a dragon and all the things that can happen in the world. Fear nothing. Here's how you can fear nothing. 
Not wild wolves in the night, not flying arrows in the day, not disease that prowls through the darkness, not disaster that erupts at high noon. Even though others to come all around you drop like flies right and left, no harm will ever graze you. You stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Watch the wicked turn into corpses. Yes, because you are God's, because God's your refuge. The high God, your, uh, the high God, your very own home. Evil can't get close to you. Harm cannot get through you. Here's why, listen to this. We've been talking about the demonic angels and all of their attacks. I want you to see the other side. You wanna see the other side? He ordered his angels to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they will catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You will walk unharmed among the lions and the snakes and kick, young, and kick young lions and serpents from the path. Do you see it? You have an enemy, but you have a protector. You have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have a God who has promised you refuge. Not just refuge, he has promised you angels to fight on your behalf to guard you, to protect you, to be on that side, the side that you're on, and he ends it with this. If you will hold on to me for dear life, says the Lord, I'll get you out of trouble if you give me your best care, if you only get to know and to trust me. Call me and I will answer you. Be at your side and I will be at your side in bad times. I will rescue you and then throw a party. I'll give you long life and give you a long drink of salvation. We stand so I can pray for you. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, recognizing that in this spiritual battle, sometimes it's hard to identify, but today we'll know this. We have an enemy that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Lord, but we, as your army, will step up, get in the game, and fight the battle. Why? Because we already know the victory is yours. We already know to be on the right side of all this, Lord. We already know that you've won, so we want to fight the battle, and we will adhere to your promises. You will be our refuge, and you will be our strength. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
You know, I think for each one of us, we can leave with that promise and that assurance. Listen, the battle has been won. The question is, which side are you on? Right? Like, that's where you got to be at. Like, there is no neutral. Understand the, the view of the spiritual realm that you need to understand. You're on one team or the other. I just pray that not only are you on the winning team, but you're engaged in the battle, fighting participating in and giving and seeing glory to go to the only one who deserves it. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for our almighty God. May we be a, a church engaged, understanding truth in the middle of the battle, bringing glory to him and to him alone. So thanks everybody for joining us here at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. We'll see you guys next week.